Blog Talk Radio. Jesus, 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 
Jesus, he'll be Come right on, there. Call his name. Just call his name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 he's Omega. Jesus, he's Omega. Jesus, he's a he's sick. He's a lawyer in a courtroom. He's a in the doctor. Call him, call him. If you know him, call him. What a pressure.
And if that's the only thing you can think of, then every time you come to church, because Sundays are not promised. Because every car accident last night didn't have a good report. But God is good. God is good. Oh, my God. All right. It's, uh, it's over for time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all for time. You trust me to come. Uh, for those of you at home, God bless you. Thank you. Again, we apologize for the convenience. Some kind of way a cord came loose. I ain't going to call no names, but y'all been around here long enough. Y'all know how it happened. But a cord came loose. <laughs> and, uh, but it's all good. Sound is good. Everybody can hear everybody. All of that good stuff. But it's all for time. On your screen, those of you watching at home, you can see the several ways we have to give. Give on our website, EbenezerBronzeville.org, EbenezerBronzeville.org. Hit the Give Now button. I don't know if he mentioned it because I was running around, but uh, for those of you who are helping us with our journey, uh, Friends of Ebenezer, those of you who are helping us uh, with the amazing project that we have before you, uh, getting our outside of our church back up to standard and even better. Those of you who have made your promises, uh, we're expecting you. We're grateful for you who've already completed your promise. Thank you in advance. I know some letters went out uh, from the pastor uh, that he signed for you all telling you thank you. So we thank you here live. Uh, so we thank you. We're grateful for you. Uh, if you want to give via mobile, you can do that as well. That phone number is 312-779-0146. 312-779-0146. Uh, you can also mail or drop off your gift at 4501 South Vincent Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60653. And last but not least, you can give via Zelle uh, or Quick Pay. That number is 773-960-9028. Again, 773-960-9028. Let us pray. Oh, God, we, God, we thank you. Lord God, we just said thank you. If we had 10,000 tongues, it wouldn't be enough. But we just said thank you. It could have been me, God, but thank you. So, God, we just said thank you, God. We thank you for the gifts, God. We thank you for the givers, God. We thank you, God, for the increase. God, we thank you for the success. We're praising you in advance, God, for the success of this project. And we're thanking you in advance for the next one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Because there's some people that are going through. And when you hear somebody boldly proclaim how the Lord brought them out, that made that Bible study and your presence all the more valuable. And I want you to know that somebody needed to hear what only you could have said. And to all of you, that's why we that's why we ask. That's why we encourage Bible study or Sunday school because we all trying to make it. We all trying to get to glory. And we know this thing called life can be challenging. Do I got some real folk up in here? That there can be some ups and there can be some showing up downs. There can be some ends. There can be some outs. There can be some periods of health and periods of sickness. But we know that God has every single one of us in the hollow of his hand. And so we want those who are on our prayer list to know that. That God has you. God got you in the midst of whatever you're going through. So we're lifting up Lindsay Mayfield. We're lifting up Marguerite Jones, the mother of Reginald Jones. We're lifting Doris Robinson, the cousin of Beverly Stinson, Deacon Chester Coleman. We're praying for Brenda Love. She's not on this list, but we just put her on this list. We're lifting up Elise and Willie Grant. We're praying for Alfred Moore. We're praying for our beloved brother, Kenneth Sexton, the son of Vivian Pete. We're 
praying for Al and Mary Burton, Shirley Anderson, Mary Sumter. We're praying for Joyce Anderson. We're praying for Sarah Phillips. We're praying for Mary Alexander. Praying for Gladys Evans and Reverend James Thompson. We're praying today for Albert Cheney, the son of Reefa Cheney. We're praying for Angela Williams, the daughter of Patricia Hatcher. We're praying for Glorine Driver, the friend of Gail and Juanita Cooper, and praying for David Pearson and Bernetta Pearson, the parents of Dr. Pam Person, and we're praying for Michael Jones Jr., and we're praying yet continuously for Deacon James Smith, Ernestine Rowe, Tracy Hill, Chandler Hill, Laura Eddings, Jaleesha Eddings, Maisie Jordan, praying for Wanda Kimbrough, the niece of Freddie Boyd, Carol Blevins, Lily Turner, praying for her, praying for Natalie Dumas and Rob Martin, praying for Michael Ross, continue to pray for the family of Gwen Geiger, who was funerized on Friday, and praying for Brother Mike Metcalf, praying for the family of Audrey Bourne as they lay their cousin Benita Williams to rest. We're praying for Brother Charles Rogers and the loss of his mother, Annette Rogers. We're praying for Reverend Dr. King Cox, who's asking for prayer, asking for God's favor in a major event in his life, asking for God's favor. Praying for those folks in impacted by the Hurricane Ian and those impacted in Puerto Rico by the hurricane. We have seen the utter destruction and there are people who are looking at what used to be their houses, looking at spaces that are now empty because their houses have been blown away. We're lifting those who have lost their lives. We know that it could have been us. If we don't get hurricanes, but we do get tornadoes. And we know that any kind of event can take us out. And so we're interceding on their behalf. If there's a person that you want to stand and intercede for today, we invite you to do that at this time. As we go to the throne of grace and we make our humble petitions to Almighty God. Father God, our Savior, we come before you, O oh God, lifting these names up, these names of these thy people who are going through, who are seeking favor, who are celebrating, O oh God. We lift them all up. God, we come before you because we have nowhere else to turn but to you. We know you, O oh God, to be a healer. We know you, O oh God, to be a restorer. We know you to be a God who grants favor. And so, God, in the name of Jesus, we lift up these thy people. God, we ask right now, O oh God, that you would touch each and every one of us that are standing in the gap of somebody else, O oh God. You know what they're going through, O oh God. You know what they're who and why they are standing, O oh God. And so, God, we recognize that you are so big that you can touch each one of us at the same time. So whatever we stand in need of, in the need name of Jesus, we claim it today. God, we ask that you have mercy on our church. Have mercy on God over us as we seek to do the work that you've given to our hands. God, we're asking for favor and 
blessings, oh God, as we do this renovation project, God. God, we don't know how it's going to turn out. All we know is that it's going to turn out for your glory. We know, God, that you're going to make a way. And so, God, we're standing on your promises, standing on your promises, knowing, oh God, that you, where you guide, you will provide. God, we ask right now that you bless this church. God, bless this church. Cause us, oh God, our name to go out into the highways and byways so that we can compel a dying world. That there is an answer, and the answer is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, help us to evangelize and spread the good news of salvation to everyone and every place we go. God, we thank you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for all the times that you continue to make a way for us and open doors for us, oh God, and how you protect us from danger seen and unseen, God, how you can deliver us, oh God, from the hand of the enemy. We say thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oftentimes, God, when we come before your throne, we're asking, we're asking, and we're asking, and we're making petition after petition. But right now, God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you do in our lives, in our community, in our homes, and in with our family. Now, God, we ask that you would bless the balance of our worship service today, that it might be pleasing in your sight. Bless us, Lord. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated in the presence of Almighty God. Thank you. 
let your say man. I'd like to read into your hearing from the gospel according to Mark, the 12th chapter, verses 30 and 31. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than thee. I want to speak from the subject, three ways to love. Three ways to love. Christianity has certain concrete expectations. One of them is to love. Love is at the center of our Christian faith. You might ask, as Tina Turner once did, what's love got to do with it? And my response is everything. God so loved us that he sacrificed Jesus Christ for you and for me. Jesus said that the greatest expression of love is to lay down your life for another. A love he unselfishly demonstrated all the way to the cross of Calvary. Thankfully, love does not always have to be a death sentence. Or let's be honest. Most of us would never even consider participating. But true love, true love, your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And I have to say that of all the sermons Jesus preached, this ain't one of my favorites. I know I can't be by myself. But he said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That was a far cry from their current practices. My, how things have not changed. 
But today we still do not think of love as something we express without reward. You see, when we love, we expect to be loved in return. We believe, we think, if it's not reciprocal, what is the point? Yet, as we will see today, there is a point, as Paul outlined in his 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Love, love has many, many attributes. Well, what are the attributes, Pastor? Well, love is patient and kind. Love is never jealous or envious. Love is never boastful or proud. Love is never haughty, selfish, or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable or touchy. Love does not hold grudges or retaliate. Love never celebrates injustice. Love is loyal. Love believes the best in everyone. Love is forever. Now that in itself is a lot to swallow. And the first thing I notice is that Paul approaches his lesson on love by concentrating on what love is not. In my mind, I can see him focusing his spiritual eye on the social norm. He must have considered his immediate constituents and beyond and used them as an example of what not to do. If he had been using us as an example, I doubt that his lesson would have been any different. Because, as I said, not much has changed. Today's focus takes on a narrower understanding of how love should be expressed. Today, we're, we're going to look at how love is expressed in the household of faith or the body of Christ. We talked about that a lot this morning in Bible study, in Sunday school. So you, I need to go ahead and warn you, get your spiritual seatbelts on. And take an expository ride together to evaluate how, how it is we are to interact with each other. First, we must love each other fervently. There's very little we get, there's very little we get fervent or enthusiastic about. Some of us get fervent and enthusiastic about what happens at 12 o'clock on Sundays. And I ain't talking about church. And generally, if we do not get excited, it's about something we get excited and enthusiastic about something that benefits us and not others. So the command to be passionate or serious about our love toward each other is a concept that is foreign, foreign to the carnal flesh. Peter knew how hard it was in the flesh, but he also knew how easy it should be in the spirit. 
That's why he said, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. In other words, if you say you love each other, you need to show it. Show some enthusiasm for love. Unfeigned love is love that has no carnal constraints because it's genuine and heartfelt. I know that if I asked you the question, if you love each other, everyone gets the answer, you will say yes. But how can you say you love everybody who you see Sunday after Sunday and don't speak to them? How can you say you love someone else and you got grudges against them? Love is only beneficial to the recipient if it is honest or real. This ain't about taking the test and getting the correct answer. It's about it being real. Because phony love has no place in the body of Christ. I guess y'all missed that one. Phony love. You know, that's the kind of love, it looks like this. You say you love me, but you talk about me behind my back. Y'all don't want the truth. It, it can put us in an instant blotch on the beautiful. It can turn a congregation from glorious to something that is gloomy. We talk about how we want our congregation to grow, and we do. Well, if we do, we can't have no room for phony love. Unfeigned love that comes from a fervent heart is different. It can turn a spiritual desert into a rose garden. It can turn an inner city church into a royal cathedral. It can turn a simple chicken dinner into a king's banquet. It can fill a grief-stricken heart with comfort and joy. And because fervent love is impassioned, it is intense and compelling, it does not have to be coerced forced. Y'all don't hear me today. It should be the most free-flowing attribute of the Christian church. That's the one way, that's one way to love, to learn love fervently. Second, we must love each other with a pure heart. Paul and Peter we're on the same page with this one. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1 and 5, Now the end of the commandment, which is to love thy neighbor as thyself, is charity out of a pure heart and of good conscience and of faith unfeigned. It's almost the same thing as Peter said, but with emphasis not on fervency so much as is purity. You see, Paul emphasizes the need to love 
need, the need for love to be pure, uncontaminated, and virtuous. Love needs to come from a pure heart. Because love is a virtue. Love is a big part of the righteousness of God. True love can only come from a pure heart. He says, love thy neighbor as thyself. If you're confused about how to love somebody else, try mimicking how you love yourself. Y'all don't hear me today. As uh, was said in Sunday school this morning, a trusty person said, I love me some me. And he ain't the only one. I love me some me too. And you love you some you because that's why you're willing to do whatever it takes to make certain that you are happy. Well, that same kind of spirit That same kind of spirit needs to be evident with other people. So love, true love, can only come from a pure heart. It should not be polluted or tainted with unclean thoughts or mixed emotion. Love that comes from a pure heart cannot be confined by walls or affected by time or misguided by feelings or governed by emotions or discouraged by trouble. This kind of love can stop wars and cancel quarrels. This kind of love can tame tempers and solve problems. This kind of Love can settle differences and relieve heartaches. This kind of love can withstand a storm, forgive an enemy, face a failure, suffer a loss, and bear a cross. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine at Sister Geiger's funeral, and he was asking me, what is what are your goals? I said, well, I want to feed my church to be more loving. Not that they're not already loving, more loving. I want to, I want to, I want to finish the project, phase one, two, and three, to the glory of God. I want to, I want us to struggle and strive to have 200 people in worship every Sunday. He said, that's good. You need to name it before the people. But the first thing I said, I want us to be more loving. Why? Because when we're more loving, we are like Jesus. When you come up in here, You don't come up here wanting to be like the pastor. Because if you do, you're in big trouble. But when you come here, you want to be like Jesus. The kind of love that can look down from a cross and look at the people who are tormenting you and torturing you and look down and look up and say, Father, Forgive them. 
for they don't know what they are doing. I want to be like Jesus. Not like you, but like Jesus. Then finally, in this house, we are called to love the brethren. We love everyone, but we are called to love the brothers and sisters of this house all the more. And if, ain't, if that's not something you are interested in, you're in the wrong place. Because you recognize that love is not about you. It's about supposedly the God in you. I told you that the Sermon on the Mount ain't one of my firm favorite sermons of Jesus. Because I know by myself, I can't love my enemies. I can't pray for my enemies by myself. But with the aid and the assistance of the Holy Spirit, I can pray for those who persecute me. I can pray for those who talk about me. I can pray for my enemies. And I can love those who are sometimes unlovable. The greatness of our ministry, hear me today, requires that we be unified. The greatness of the task that God has given to us is that we be unified, a unified, loving body. Listen to what Peter said. He said, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be, curt be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that we are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensure it. Now I have to confess, it's a tall charge. It's an awesome expectation, but one worth the struggle. For the answer to our prayers for this community hinges on our love for one another. Peter said it, and not me. He said, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Did you hear that this morning? God listens to the prayers of the righteous. Those who are of one mind, and have compassion and love for their brothers and sisters. Our success of our ministry uh, to this city and beyond rests with our capacity to love one another in this house.
Why? Love inspires courage among our members. Love establishes trust among our members. Love enables submission to each other. Love provides help to each other. Love supplies mercy and grace and so much more. Carnal love may race through your mind. Throb your heart, glow on your face, tingle under your skin, dance in your eyes, turn cartwheels in your stomach. But filial love, the love of the brethren, will cause your soul to leap for joy. Because in this house, our love doesn't see your thorns, it sees a rose. Our love doesn't see your difficulties. It sees your possibilities. Our love doesn't feed your sadness. It inspires your joy. Our love doesn't see obstacles. It builds bridges. And so the question is, can we love each other like that? Can we Embrace one another, rescue one another, comfort one another with this love that passes all our understanding. The answer is, of course we can. But when we share this kind of love, Ebenezer, I declare our burdens become lighter. Our differences, because we're all different, become smaller. Our conflicts become fewer. Our tempers become milder. And our duties that we offer unto God become more delightful. Our friendships become stronger. Our words become sweeter. Our failures become victories. Our doubts are defeated, and our joy will be full. Jesus showed us how to love. Because we learned in little tots that Jesus loves us. This we know. Who would have thought 58 years later, I could feel that thing and remember that Jesus loves me. This I know. Because the Bible tells us so. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you, 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 and me. He gave his life he gave his life what more could he give mm. oh how he loves you oh how he loves me oh how he loves you and me it is our prayer that kind of love 
permeates this place. And let me be clear, I'm not saying it ain't already here. But what I am saying, we got more to give. Because we want God to do something special in this place, through our lives. We want to be able, not for fan, fanfare or fortune, we want God to be glorified. So when the final record is written, they'll say there was a people over there on 45th and Vincent that showed their community how to love. Because they loved each other fervently. They loved each other on purpose because they saw the worth of everyone that came in these doors. I don't know about you, but I thank God. I thank God for the love of Jesus Christ that he would have the nerve to lay down his life for me. Not because I'm a good person, but he looked beyond my faults. He looked beyond my errors. He looked beyond your faults and your error and found out and discovered what you needed and what you needed was mercy and grace. And he laid down his life for you and for me. As we open the doors of the church, the congregational choir, let's sing, Oh, how he loves you and how he loves me. The doors of the church are open. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. 
may be seated in his presence. God for your willingness to lay down your life for those of us who are assembled around your table. God, we pray right now that these elements might become for us your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. On the night in which he's betrayed, he took the bread. He broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat this, you do so 
in remembrance of me. Eat ye all of it to your comfort. And in like manner, he took the cup, the cup of blessing, the cup which represented his spilled blood that was shed for you. As often as you drink this, you do so in remembrance of me. Drink ye all of it to your comfort. Sing softly, now behold the Lamb, now behold the Lamb, the precious Lamb of God, the precious Lamb of God. The precious Lamb. Let's leave on this, this one. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day, one day, he died. I know, I know. I know it was the blood standing to your feet. I know. I know it was. I know it was. to him who's able to keep you from falling. To him who's able to present you for his father with exceedingly great joy. To the all-wise God be dominion and power, honor and glory. Now, henceforth and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you and go in peace. He's coming. He's coming. Those sausages are out in the lobby if you want to pick up a package of the sausages. 